Hello, movie friends. Welcome to There Will Be Movie Reviews. I'm your host, Ryan Holmes. And today with me, I have the great Zach Pasquino. Zach, <laughs> say hi to everyone. Hi, everyone. Hi, Ryan. Uh, my name is Zach. I, uh, I watch movies now and then. Yeah, that's I, what I do. We know you're a big fan of movies, or I do at least. Not, not everyone here, but uh, I, I, I've known you since uh, grade nine uh, doing plays with you. And it's been a lot of fun. You know, you're, you're a great guy to be around. Trust me. And you're, you're a great guy to hang out and talk about movies. And it's a lot of fun. And so why not have you on the show and talk about uh, these some films and a couple of films I know you are a fan of. And so what films are we going to be talking about today? Well, that's a great question, Ryan. So today we're going to be talking about two of David Lynch's best movies. Now, David Lynch has a fantastic repertoire of movies. All of them, most of them are all really good. But the two that we're going to talk about today are Racerhead and The Elephant Man. Yeah. Yeah. I nearly said the wrong movie. <laughs> I nearly said Blue Velvet. I nearly, I nearly ruined it. <laughs> oh, yeah. No worries. Blue Velvet's a good film, too. But yeah, uh, that one. these two films are both um, some of David Lynch. It, two of his first films like so before Eraserhead is his first feature film debut and then uh the elephant man came right after and in between he was just uh, a carpenter he was working on on houses and roofs in between uh that time because he wasn't doing any filming and he wasn't that he wasn't a popular director and Eraserhead was just a, a, a it's become a cult classic now and at the time it was just during doing uh midnight screenings uh in, in just small theaters and then elephant man i think brought him out fully and people realized how great of a director he was and uh you know mel many directors knew about his films like Eraserhead, so mel brooks steven spielberg stanley kubrick uh they all knew uh about the film Eraserhead and, and thought it was great and even george lucas wanted him to direct uh return of the jedi at one point but uh, yeah, and then he did Dune instead, which you know wasn't great. But I'm excited for the new one, though. I'm sure. I'm, yeah, Denny's villain. You, he's a good director. I'm excited. G- give me Timmy. Give me Tim- Timothy Chalamet more. More <laughs> and more of that Timothy Chalamet goodness. Can I swear on this? I got yes. ask it now. Don't okay, worry good. Yeah. I'll yeah. try not to too much, but not too much. But yeah, we like to have kids kids listen as well. But you know, can't control oh, everything. Yeah. Keep it PG. Keep it PG. Okay. A few S words or uh, maybe a few shits here and there, but uh, oh, there or go. maybe PG 13, one F bomb, one F bombs allowed. That's that. really hard. That's <laughs> my favorite. <sighs> All right. Yeah. So let's begin talking about the movie news first. So let's get into it. So, first on the movie news, Transformers 7 is officially being filmed and is set, it's supposed to be set in 1994. And I think it's called Rise of the Beasts, correct? I don't know if you would know, but <laughs> how do you feel about that? Uh, I'm surprised there's seven. I guess you got to have one for each sin. Uh, <laughs> 1994 is a really strange year. And I think that's the first time I've heard about a movie being set in the past that set in the 90s, except maybe mid 90s. Um, it's kind of weird that like I was born in 2002, which... It wasn't very long ago, but like the 94 was eight years. 
before that, and now we're already doing these, you know, back in the past sort of things now. I guess so, yeah. I mean, like Transformers too. Transformers is Transformers came out in like I'm pretty sure it was like 2007. So it's pretty wild that they're making a film like yeah, it's at 1994. I don't know why. It's 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 crazy. I've never been a fan of the Transformers movies. It's not being directed by Michael Bay, but no. still, I I am not excited. I'm gonna be honest, but no, I, it's gonna be interesting to see. It could be like a it could be like a a so bad it's good type film. Maybe. I think they're but, trying. Uh, to, yeah. I don't feel anything really because I don't think I'm gonna see it. So yeah. I I don't really. You know, that's like hearing um, someone got shot in in Australia last night. I'm like, damn. Well, I guess it doesn't affect me. Uh, you know, <laughs> Ryan Transformers isn't my cup Interest- of tea. Interesting comparison. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It may be Fast and Furious, but yeah, Transformers isn't it for me, Ryan. And they can do what they want. They'll make their money. Yeah. It is what it is. True. Next on the movie news. Set photos of Michael Keaton and the new Supergirl actress. I'm not sure her name. I, I forgot to look it up. But uh, we're on set of the new Flash film by Andy Muschietti. Correct me if I'm wrong, if that's pronounced Andy Muschietti. Andy Muschietti. He directed the first two It films uh, or, the, or the newer ones, the new It films. So it uh, with like Bill Hader and uh, Finn yeah. Wolfhard, those guys. Yeah, um, I, I'm... I'm curious to see how it, it was. Obviously, the second it wasn't that good. I wasn't. Yeah. I, it was super long and kind of a crappy ending. Mm-hmm. The first it I, I enjoyed. It was it was a nice coming of age film, and I was a fan of those actors from you know uh, Stranger Things, and uh, there's a couple other actors in there that were from other stuff I had seen. Um, but yeah. I'm curious. I, I I have no idea what to expect for this film. I don't know about you. No, I, man, so many tangents to go on. First of all, Michael Keaton, is it being set within like the Tim Burton Batman universe? Yes, it is. Yeah, it is. And well, it's because you know who's also in it is Ben Affleck. And Ezra Miller? Yeah. Without saying, goes without saying. So it's like everything right now is having that multiverse thing coming out. And and now it's got Supergirl, as you said. Like this, this is throwing me off here mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. we're seeing all these um, set photos. I'm trying to think of the word for all these movies, and all of these these are like multiverse. Like you got Spider Man coming in, you got like Willem the Friend in it, and and um, Willem the Doc Yeah, same thing. <laughs> yeah, the Friend. And, <laughs> and we we're seeing all these multiverses come into production. But we haven't been given an introduction to it. That throws yeah. me off. I, I, I'm interested. I didn't know that Andy Machete, or is it Andre? I don't know. Is directing it. Um, I, I, I think he's only done horror, right? He's done it, and he did Mama. Yeah. Is that it. Yeah. And now he's doing superheroes. So is it going to be a Dark Flash? Are you going to have like the top spinning, giving everyone nausea? Like, man. Wow, uh, I am interested. I liked the character development in it. I found the scares in the second one cheap, but also disgusting. And because <laughs> of that movie, I do not like seeing kids suffer anymore in movies. Yeah. Now that I did it all, 
But now I, I just anything with kids, I, I can't really watch the movies, especially just after how it chapter two just killed children so wantonly. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean. Yeah. It, it affects uh, me differently, obviously. It, it's for different people because obviously I know it. Chapter two just felt so kind of. Um, it, it felt a little cheesy. Uh, the CGI. Yeah, and so it was, it was hard to kind of. It was harder to sympathize with the characters that died within the film. So, and that's just me personally. Um, yeah. But yeah, I I do know what you mean because I, it it is hard for me to watch films like Prisoners um too oh yeah that's another one but we won't get into that yeah yeah um but yeah last on the movie news we only have three things today which is weird we usually have a lot more there wasn't too much interesting stuff in the past week but donald trump reportedly wanted justice department uh the fcc to make snl stop mocking him (laughs) that would have been interesting I mean, um, they don't even do anything about him anymore. They stopped. They don't even do anything about Joe Biden. <laughs> that's good. I, I think SNL um, being topical humor doesn't age well. And I know someone watched all of SNL. Was that you or was that mm-hmm. Adrian? I've watched a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. The whole box set. And so oh, I haven't yes, gotten yeah. right yeah. through the past, but. If every sketch in SNL, which it felt like during the Trumpian days, were all Donald Trump and all uh, um, Jeff Sessions, Rudy Giuliani, all of those jokes, who's going to in 20 years go back and watch it except for some political science students studying um, fascism in the modern times, right? That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. But I... Uh, Kind of funny that he did that. I'm not surprised. SNL yeah. would probably have found a different way to mock it, but uh, the jokes did get old. So I, I don't know. I'm not like, oh, damn. He nearly took away those jokes from us, but yeah, kind of crazy. Yeah. All right. That ends it for the movie news. Next up, let's discuss The Elephant Man. So this film was released in 1980. Stars John Hurt. Anthony Hopkins, Anne Bancroft, and John Gilgood, uh, directed by David Lynch, written by Christopher DeVore, or uh, yeah, written by Christopher DeVore, uh, Eric Bergen, Bergren, and David Lynch. So the story follows a Victorian surgeon rescues a heavily disfigured man who is mistreated while scrapping, uh, scrapping a living as a side show freak. Behind his monstrous facade, there is a revealed a person of kindness, intelligence, and sophistication. So this film was nominated for eight Oscars, including Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Art Direction, Best Costume Design, Best Editing, and Best Original Score. A lot. It's nominated for a lot of Oscars. Wow. And very well deserved, I feel. I saw this film in one of the more serious and... uh, um, you know, uncomic book and a corny films that I had seen there at an early age. Cause at, when you're younger, uh, me personally, I, and I know a lot of kids, they tend to watch a lot of the action and adventure films. And I saw this film when I was probably in grade six or seven. And, and I, I, I really liked it. It was, it's a beautiful and touching story, but very sad at the same time. And I don't know if you can agree with me there, but I, I do enjoy 
uh, I, I'm very fascinated by the story of Joseph Merrick. He, he's such a interesting character, but, but yeah, that's, yeah. But um, Zach, what do you have to say? I'm sure. Well, it made me cry. That's one thing. That was one of the most recent movies I've watched for the first time. And it made me shed tears. Um, so that's, that's a big win, I'd say. And they weren't tears of true sadness or disgust or disturbed feeling. It was a very beautiful movie. And with David Lynch's work, that's something that really strikes me. Uh, as someone who has very vivid dreams, I really appreciate that David Lynch can make something that can feel so dreamlike and surreal, but also very palpable emotionally. Kind of like you're on like this really, really forceful marshmallow, <laughs> <laughs> whatever that means. Um, it made me cry. It was up there with Soul, up there with um, Up, of course, everyone's cried it Up. Yeah. But man, what a beautiful movie. Ugh. And I never knew how uh, well-received it was, really. I didn't know um, until, like, after watching the movie that, like, oh, man, it nearly won Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Because I always thought David Lynch was fringe, and the only time he did mainstream was uh, June. And June, of course, didn't go well. Yeah. It, yeah, you're right about that. It is... Again, it's a very touching film. And when we get into Eraserhead, we can talk about how very similar to Dreams. And uh, it's a very abstract film. And this film, I could tell he did have a little bit of restriction uh, for his direction because it still has a David David Lynch style, but it is not crazy weird, which it it could have been. And it could have been similar to Eraserhead if he had full, um, if he maybe was a producer on this film. Mm-hmm. um but i but again you you mentioned how it's very very sad and uh it shed a tear and, and there's a couple scenes where i did shed a tear watching this film and i think it was the where he's talking to uh frederick treves anthony hopkins character's wife and he's just he's he starts crying because he's he's never had a person um so beautiful or a woman so beautiful treat him so kind and the idea that this person has lived such a horrible life and and finally just gets that feeling to be able to be able to be just treated fairly and and with respect and and dignity it's it's incredible to see and uh and david lynch does a great job at that throughout the entire film because what i think i was so intrigued by this film is how slowly it uh, goes in from a character that is, you know, cradled into the shell that is so so quiet and, and doesn't speak and is looked down upon to slowly getting more respect and confidence in his life. And when there's interactions with um, Frederick and John Merrick or, or Joseph John, um, it, it's heartwarming, I felt. And again that's all david lynch there that's him telling this beautiful story of say a a, a, um a disturbing uh subject i guess for some people and and you can relate it to say the hunchback of notre dame in a way because that's the type of thing uh that's a similarity between these films because 
uh, I don't know if you've seen the Hunchback of Notre Dame from, uh, you know, Disney films, but there's a similarity there. A hundred percent, I think. Yeah, it's it's something truly beautiful. And going back to what you said about him, Lynch could have been weirder with it if he had less restriction. Uh, That's true. But the beautiful thing with this movie is that I think because of the influence of it being more mainstream, because of the influence of the producers, it was fairly restrained, but the, that made the beauty of it and, and the weirdness of it sometimes shine through even more. It didn't need to be any weirder than it was, just like mm-hmm. how certain Tarantino movies, and I, and I have a, you know, I have my opinion of Tarantino, um, are better when they had editors as well. And how Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction in his early days were a bit more restricted. And those, I think, are his best works compared to, you know, the shoot 'em ups that came later. Even though Tarantino's signature is his violence, even though David Lynch's weirdness is his signature, when it can be restrained a little and held back with some really good subject matter, it can be made into something even more beautiful. You're, you're I, right about that, yeah. Yeah, I was very, very happy watching this movie. Well, I was sad watching the movie, but I was very happy. I enjoyed the experience a lot. Yeah. A a lot. And I remember just crying as I watched it, feeling like emotionally brought into it through all the highs and lows because it's such a roller coaster, isn't it? It is. Like the, the kid gets rescued, nearly bought back, rescued again then i think taken like for real into the circus escapes nearly dies and then enjoys his last little while spoiler alert before and this is where i really cried before he just decides to lay down and sleep and then you have that beautiful strange ending yeah i noticed David Lynch does a great job and it's similar to Stanley Kubrick. Um, they're able to capture you right away from, right from the get-go and, and you're transported into this world. And similar to uh, A Clockwork Orange, I, I know you haven't seen that, but uh, um, A Clockwork Orange and 2001 A Space Odyssey, the, the opening scenes, they you are transported. And that's the same thing with The Elephant Man. There's that sequence... Uh, a beautiful music, I, I think. It, the music in this film and the score is absolutely incredible. And um, but the o- opening sequence is it, it's a little it's a little frightening and it's a little terrifying, but it does get you into that mood in in that uh, into the setting of this film and to the themes. And throughout the film, I felt transported. And after I just felt, what would that world be like uh, being beside Joseph Merrick and also. Uh, or John Merrick and also David Lynch his style again is prevalent throughout the film um and and it it is it's very very uh well shown and well executed uh yeah he does yeah he does he does a great job with his style that is implemented into this film I think And, and it again as you said restrict it can be restricted but still there are tendencies um, of his style that that are shown throughout the this film but yeah it takes you into the world like with most lynch movies that i've seen he really takes you into it and then at the end of the movie he guides you out of it 
unlike some movies that just end or they rip you out of it, like, um, what's a good example? Monty Python and the Holy Grail, right? Straight up ends. And it, that that's funny and it's good in its own way, but the Elephant Man guides you out of it with a beautiful sequence compared to the beginning of the Elephant Man, which has, as I believe, a pretty disturbing one. Yeah, it uh, and is. it's like his mother getting stomped on or abused by an elephant. Yeah. <laughs> it's horrible. Yeah, and because of that opening sequence, I, I felt like as if you know, I'm like, oh man, there's going to be a horror movie. It's going to scare me. It's going to be very disturbing. But yeah, I think that almost made it more important when the inner beauty of, of the character of John Hurt's character when it came out yeah because at the beginning you're made to think that this is some unnatural unholy abhorrent event and even though it was it still made a person who is beautiful uh Mm -hmm. on the inside and a person who deserves to live just as much as anyone and i thought i mean i just think that's a really beautiful message for something that is so yeah black and white and grim and uh dark i wrote down a line that i i really loved um and and it it sums up the film i think very nicely and it's near the end of the film where uh he's back out of dealing with the circus and being abused and almost dying very at the very end and he's just before he goes to the the play and he, he says my life is full because uh I know that I'm loved mm. and, and I think that it, it, it does. That's, I think that's one of the only things he wants in life. And because he understands that he doesn't have a life of say, um, you know, beginning, starting a family with somebody and he understands he, he can't, uh, he probably won't be able to see his mother again and he won't be able to see his, his family. But uh, he understands though, that, you know, Frederick Treves does care for him a lot. And the fact that he is loved just makes him feel complete. And maybe that's the reason why he, he feels that I can, I can rest now. I can finally sleep and I I can just, I I can, I I can, I, yeah, I can, I can drift off knowing that my life is full. You know, I think maybe he's felt, you know, I don't want to over not overstay his welcome. That's Mm -hmm. not what, not, that's not what I mean is it's more, I don't, I, I just, my life is, feels so good now. Why try and try and spoil it, I guess, you know? Yeah. And we should all be so lucky, of course. And yeah, one interesting thing about the middle of the movie is at a certain point, it does seem like he does get comfortable and does get accustomed and used to the fact that he yeah. is in society. And at that point in the movie, I'm thinking, is he being deceived? Is he being betrayed? by Treves is he being used by society um but then of course he gets ripped back to the circus and he comes back and has to fight for it again to realize how important it was uh the whole thing of not overstaying your welcome is a really important thing because if the movie just went on would Merrick have been just as happy as he was in that moment or would he have gotten jaded? Would he have, again, taken it for granted with, without that circus, the ringmaster, to take him back yeah. to the hell that he was from? 
It's hard to say. Yeah, and, and I think that's something really interesting to think about. Because, yeah. like, what if, what if it just kept going and the dream never ended? Yeah. Would that be a good thing or a bad thing? It's hard to say. Yeah. yeah I, I also, again, David Lynch, he, uh, another thing he does is, is this film isn't black and white obviously. And that's another thing that kind of transport you into transports you into the, into this world, but also the performance by John Hurt is it's beautifully touching. It's quiet. It's, but it's very, you feel very safe with this performance I felt. And it's, he did a very good job, obviously makeup. You have to, yeah, obviously um, give props to them because they are just, they did an incredible job. Uh, on uh, John Merrick's makeup for this film. I don't know about you. I thought this was, it was, it was great. Oh, I agree. And so much of his performance is amazing to me because it works in spite of everything that the movie tries to make him seem like. So many of the lines, so many of the scenes, so much of his character could be seen as sinister or creepy if he didn't play it differently. The whole thing where he's crying at the beauty of other people and almost flirting in certain scenes. You could be like, oh, man, what a monster or whatever. But it, it, it's, it's really touching. Mm-hmm. And the innocence of his character is what really shines through. And that's something that even with the amazing makeup, even with the amazing direction, even with the, the fantastic visuals, and music and everything it comes down to the performance and Mm -hmm. it was a really really beautiful performance oh totally yeah you're you're right about that i I have a question for you yeah go ahead go ahead everything in the movie works so well together because some of the some of the elements weave together like the victorian setting Mm -hmm. and and the black and white or the language which sometimes I, I gotta admit does feel a little stilted and a little like polite. My script isn't the script isn't the favorite thing of about the movie for me, mm-hmm. um, but it still all works together so well. And there are just those lines like the one you said earlier that just hit really hard. I I, I love this movie very much, and of David Lynch's work is probably of the ones that I've seen. Maybe uh, the Straight Story, which I've got to go in and see, is just oof. It just makes you feel good, mm-hmm. which you can't always say with David Lynch's work. Yeah. Yeah, totally. You're absolutely right. I, I have a question for you about uh, one of the lines in this film that I really, uh, I thought was really interesting. But so there's a line that, um, let me find it in my notes. Oh, yeah. Uh, People are frightened by what they don't understand. And again, that's another thing kind of theme that's uh spread throughout the film the, the idea of they they don't understand what this person is and and who he is so that immediately they are immature with the way they react to him and the way they uh look at him and, and that can be seen throughout society all the time i think i feel the way people it happens all the time in prejudice and and, and racism and but I think this is kind of an incredible line that 
sums up his character too, which is just, there's so much inner beauty to him uh, that you should just ignore the fact that this person is maybe not, you know, is deformed and um, frightening to look at maybe, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Now the quote said that people are afraid, right? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I guess so. Um, especially at the time that or it was frightened. made. Yeah. Frightened, yeah. yeah. Uh, the 70s, you still had the Russian tensions, stuff in the Cold War. Cold, of course, Cold War never really ended, but everything then, I guess, was a lot more fearful than now. Uh, uh, if we look at things today, people are frightened by what they don't understand, but they're also very interested. Mm-hmm. And people that we don't understand are sometimes seen as challenges to be beaten or gawked at or overcome like beyond the realm of physical deformity which is something that this movie tackles you meet a person that you don't understand you're going to be one of two things most of the time if you really don't understand them you're going to be interested and attracted to the person in some way or you will be frightened and repulsed. Yeah. I guess that's our fight or flight. And the elephant man seems to tackle that idea of someone you don't understand that you, you fear that flight that comes in. Yeah. And then when he's introduced to the world, uh, people seem to go in and talk to him at first because they want to overcome the challenge. And I guess that's the fight. Yeah, and then as time goes on and they get more and more used to him, he becomes like any other person. Yeah, more or less, which is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say we are frightened by what we don't understand, but we're also very intrigued. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, which goes back to what I was thinking about the ending. If it just went on, once people do understand it, it stops being as interesting. Mm-hmm. That eventually alternate ending the elephant man gets plastic surgery and becomes a normal person <laughs> and loses the celebrity he once had yeah something like that you know like yeah yeah i know what you mean i know what you mean yeah totally i got some fun facts for you though okay all okay. right um the elephant man makeup took seven to eight hours to apply each day for two hours to remove and two hours to remove. Sir John Hurt would arrive on the set at 5 a.m. and shoot from makeup artist Wally Schneiderman described it as once one of the hardest pictures I have had to do. Everything was so precise. There were 14 pieces, not including the head, and they may they had to be applied exactly every day for continuity. You couldn't afford to make a mistake. That is crazy. That's half your day right there. And not like half your shooting day. That's half your day in your life. How, uh, how long would they shoot for? How long did this production take? Do we I know? know. I, I do not know. But, you know. It's only a while if you had spent half your physical day on this earth. It, doing says, makeup. it says 100 days. 101 days. That's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And there's, yeah. Um, this movie was executive produced by Mel Brooks. That's pretty crazy. I didn't see that. I, there, I definitely got Young Frankenstein vibes. Both Yo. in the 70s, both yeah. black and white. 
Yeah. Well, this is filmed technically in 1980 or made, but she was filmed probably in 1979 or something like that. But And both of them have a lot of heart about the monster and who's behind them. Yeah, of course. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Kenny I don't ba- want to watch yeah. Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a good movie. Milbrick. It's a classic. I love that one. Yeah. Kenny Baker, known mainly for playing R2-D2 from the Star Wars film franchise, uh, plays one of the dwarves from the carnival near the end of the film when uh, Joseph Merrick's trying to escape or John, yeah, John Merrick's trying to escape. You notice that? Little fuckers deserve a kicking. <laughs> that's, a, that's the one <laughs> F word. That's my yeah. one? I'm done? I got yeah. to waste it on that? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Fine. Uh, I did not notice that because yeah. it wasn't in an R2-D2 costume, but I also did not <laughs> notice in the credits and I also didn't notice because um, I don't like Star Wars. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah. yeah. Very uh, cool, though. Yeah. It's around 13 minutes into this movie before Joseph John Merrick is seen and around 40 minutes in before he is heard speaking. Yep. Yeah. That is felt like a long time when I watched it. Yeah. It's yeah. good, though. It, it, I think it's, it's they needed that. The build? Oh, yeah, sure. The yeah. opening thing of wandering through the uh, carnival, right? The freak show. That's in the opening. Yeah. And that reminded me because it was through this winding path. First of all, I got scared. I was thinking, like, is there like a murderer? Yeah. The whole movie gave me Jack the Ripper vibes. But I was thinking uh, Anthony Hopkins, Frederick Chiefs, wandering through the carnival reminded me of like the Red Room in Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, you, you seen Twin Peaks? Yeah, no, 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 no. Or I've seen a bit of it. Yeah, I, I know what it. Yeah, I know what it is. So yeah, hmm. David Lynch makes simple places seem so foreign. Yeah, and so winding and so scary. Yeah, I really want to find out how he does that. Yeah. All right, I think that sums it up for the Elephant Man. If you don't have anything else to add, uh, hmm. What do I have? Honestly, just a really good movie. Didn't yeah. mess me up. Didn't yeah. Didn't do anything terrible to me. I just really liked it. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I like just like everything about it. The style of the film, the the story, and, and it's a beautiful tale that just it's it's it makes you feel complete at the end. And it's a it's a good it's a good two hours of your life spent, I feel. Yeah. Very good. And very moving. Mm-hmm. without being a heartbreaker well, i guess it was a heartbreaker but i also felt uplifted afterwards true all right next up Eraserhead, written and directed by david lynch stars jack nance charlotte stewart and alan joseph henry spencer tries to survive his indru- industrial environment his angry girlfriend and the unbearable screams of his newborn mutant child Released in 1977, and is this is Lynch's first directorial debut. God, this film—it's—I it, don't even know if it's so crazy. It's hard to say if it's just—it's it, so insane that it's good, or it's just flat out terrible. That was my. This is how I thought of the film because I didn't know to think that this is the worst movie I've seen. It's stupid. Or it's genius, or it's so interesting and, and neat and weird, because I I 
thought about it like I was really trying to dig deep in what this film meant and means and there's no real way to describe what this film is about because David Lynch has confirmed that it's there's no real meaning behind this film it's for the audience to uh, decide what this film is about and I want to ask you what do you think this movie is about what is the the whole idea of this film the the the, yeah, the point of this movie. That's a good question, Ryan. It's a broad Actually, question, too. So. I, I feel very... Um, I feel too certain about what this movie is about, and I probably shouldn't. But David Lynch has said in interviews that it is, to him, his most spiritual movie. I've, yeah, I've heard that, and, too. And we all, we all know the meme. Um, even people who haven't seen the movie or don't know movies have seen the meme used before and I don't know if it's spiritual maybe but we do know that in David Lynch's life he was in a position where he had a child and he did not want the child and was forced to look after the child that was a part of his own life and this is his early work I think that this movie is autobiographical and I think the industrial setting, I think the awkward family dinners, all of that is just representing the emotions that he felt yeah. about being trapped and wanting to escape. I think the symbolism of the movie, the man in the planet, the, the sperm shaped creatures and the lady yeah. in the vent saying that in heaven everything is fine. It is very escapist and very, <laughs> very. I want to break free. This is really annoying, Zach, because this is like the exact same thing I felt the film, and, and the exact same I uh, thought I had. Because another thing I, I felt is the child is. This is a little bit different. The child is a version of, of himself. And I felt that um, Henry Spencer is, he's constantly trying to escape and he's constantly being um, used and just uh, kind of tormented with, with uh, his, uh, his girlfriend's mom just pushing up, up against a wall and causing him and trying to, get stuff out of him and ask him and asking him questions. He's forced to uh, always uh, help out his, uh, help out his girlfriend in in ways and, and feel for her and sympathize for her when he doesn't want to. And he's, and he's constantly just being used by people in his life and including the child he's, he's forced to uh, he's forced to help out and without his girlfriend by his side, to obviously in usually in the um in in the stereotypical family there, yeah, there's the wife and the, or there's the the man and the woman raising the child yeah and whereas in this she leaves him and uh mm-hmm. not to the yeah and i felt that it's kind of the child represents him in a way and it's hard to it's hard to explain but i just uh it, it, it's such a crazy trippy movie and mm-hmm. I felt that that at the end, he finally is able to escape. And there's a scene where there's light, there's a white light. And that's kind of him finally accepting. He's just decided I'm, I'm 
I'm done with life. I'm done with this horrible place. I guess you could say it is. I'm done with these mistreatment of my, uh, people mistreating me. These people that are using me, and even the even the girl uh, at the cross um, the room that lives across the the room is mm-hmm. or in his apartment building. She uses him. He he finally feel meets somebody that I guess is uh, he can relate to and he can has, have intercourse with but ultimately she just betrays him and uh meets up with another man and it's uh it, it, it's something else it's so hard this movie is so i can't even figure out the word to describe it but it, it's yeah you 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 say something I, i've been rambling on <laughs> uh yeah, I, I agree with you. I never consider the fact that it is a cycle of him feeding off of himself. It's pretty clear that Lynch himself, and I, and I keep referring to Lynch in this movie because this movie is definitely him, you know? Yeah. It's about him. Like, anyone can see that. He is a very individualistic person. He is very himself. And I think because this movie was starting was his start and he didn't have the agency or the freedom to be himself apart from in this movie. It's really about his freedom and being used by others because everyone in the movie, as you pointed out, is trying to use him for something Mm -hmm. that his, his wife leaves him. Uh, The wife's mother tries to kiss him the wife's father the father-in-law wants him to cut the bird the woman across the hall doesn't really want him everyone around him is trying to use him or is uninterested in him only the lady in the radiator really cares about him and she's almost automated in the things that she says yeah but he does break free and he does destroy the creature that he's supposed to love yeah he does kill it doesn't yeah yeah and he's not punished i mean he's rewarded he's set free yeah set free and maybe that's lynch killing a part of himself that needs to be nurtured killing the baby Maybe that's growing up. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> hey, hey, we found another meaning. It's hard to say. Yeah, it's also about this film. More of the uh, plot-wise, I'm thinking is that he does. There's not a lot of dialogue, and there's not there's not a lot of speaking in this film. And what Lynch does for the most part is he uses just characters' reactions and characters meeting other characters or doing something or uh to develop the story and understand what is happening between characters and that's an interesting way to uh make a film because majority of the film almost every film we see has a lot of the time plot is driven uh by the by the script obviously and this time it's kind of driven by the visuals which is interesting to see and that it's, it's a new perspective on uh, film, I feel, but it's also, it is also at times hard to follow. I felt at times, but, um, and it can be a diff- it can be a change that 
maybe some people might not like. It was at times I did get a little bit, you know, just like, okay, this is just so weird. This is so weird, but it's, I do understand it. I do understand the film, which does make it more enjoyable for me. Uh, it is total Lynch here. There is not everything about this film is David Lynch. You know, there is nobody saying, mm, you know, I don't know. Yeah, maybe he, this wasn't what he wanted to do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, whereas uh, there was a lot of production or a lot of the producers for The Elephant Man that are telling him what to do. Whereas this film, you know, he is completely in full control. And that's interesting to see. That That is pretty cool to see. Oh, very. I, I really enjoy it. And Lynch movies remind me that the script doesn't need to always be the best. And a lot can be said without saying a word. And you can get that same feeling from watching a silent film or you can get it from watching a David Lynch movie. And both work pretty well. Because I've never thought that David Lynch's work has been great with its scripts or its language. He just has those really good lines. And the way that he talks about his work is like, man, I, I have these dreams mm. and I put them into the movie. And I follow those dreams and I don't let anyone stop me. Yeah. And that's kind of cool to me. That is very single minded. Yeah. I think that Lynch has these ideas these images and these lines that he has when he sleeps when he meditates when he whatever's and everything else is just filler <laughs> yeah uh to, to make it coherent for a lot of his movies but Eraserhead doesn't need to be coherent it is truly just his dream work yeah it is it is uh, it, it's hard to say because it could be a dream that, that's the other thing it oh a lot of the stuff in this film is very, very odd, mm -hmm. extremely odd. It, there's not, because you could say like a lot of the, the cinematography is odd, but also the art direction in this film is weird too. There's a, a flower pot that doesn't have a pot in it or a flower, but no pot and, and right beside his bed. Uh, when he steps in the puddle, there's no sound. Uh, when he, at the beginning of the film, uh, there are characters that are have weird. The, the lady in the vent just has some. I don't even know what it is. Uh, some, uh, I guess, like in the Elephant Man, some uh, deformity, obviously. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's 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 something. It and I something. think I think it's a good movie. I mean, I, if it works and it makes you think and it makes you feel, looking back on, it, I. I don't look at it like Transformers 7. I can really feel something when I think about mm -hmm. it and I feel excited. That's a good movie to me. Yeah. It could be, you could show me a slideshow of all these different pictures. And if that slideshow makes me feel something, then it's a good movie. And I'm not like, a, I, I haven't really made it any movies. I'm not a massive, sorry, a massive filmmaker. Um, maybe I should, but when I write, when I act, everything for me, and maybe it's a lone spark by lunch, is, is visual. It needs to be descriptive. Hmm. Because what you build your world in, like those things that you say with the yeah. puddle and the flower pot, is what will set up everything. You yeah. find any good movie, you take No Country for Old Men, and 
you break it down and you analyze, oh, what makes this one character, what makes Anton Sugar so good? It's not just the performance, it's what he's surrounded by. Yeah. And I, I don't know, I think that's a really good lesson to take from Lynch's movies and is that the way he builds his world, the way he shows his world and makes it feel, it, that's what makes it good. Yeah. It's not the lines, the performances help, but who chooses the performances? Who chooses the shots? Who chooses the cuts? Who chooses the setting? It's the director and it's the writer. And both of those people are David Lynch. Yeah. We should all be so lucky as to have the opportunity to make a movie that is truly ourselves and truly from our dreams. And whether the lesson is a sentence that says, don't do drugs or a feeling. If we can communicate that to someone, communicate any feeling, then we'll have made something of value. Yeah. Oh, that's Lynch to me. You're, I think I think we should just leave it leave it on a high note there, man. That was <laughs> incredible. <laughs> um, that was great. Um, but yeah, I think that pretty much sums it up for this episode, man. Uh, uh, I will do. Uh, we'll do top three things uh, after this. I will get you to do that. And But yeah, uh, that ends it off there for the episode of Elephant Man in a Racerhead. Thank you so much, Zach. That was Thanks, great. Ryan, for having me. That was a lot Hope of fun. to be back. I, yeah, you will definitely be back on the show. I will, I, will, I will see you in a bit. So thank you, guys. You can check my account out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Amazon Music. I'm on YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok at the same name. There will be movie reviews. Uh, check back next week for the next episode. But uh, yeah, it's been a great time, Zach. A lot of fun.